Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program every Monday through Friday to give you some tools, some ideas on how to make it through this crazy thing we call life. Welcome to the program today. Again, you know, it's a top of the Monday to you. Top of the Monday to you, Bryce. How am I? T- why am I talking like that? That was almost an accent. That was your game. What I don't want to, I don't want to go to an accent. I want it to just kind of just sound like me. Could you, could you get back to your like European migration? Could you start Irish and like swing <laughs> down, hit French, Italian and, and like yeah. Ukrainian? No, no, no I can't okay. do it. Cause I'm, I'm meant to be me. A guy's got to be, a man's got to be himself. Yeah. You are what your ancestors make you though. Really? Indeed, what, Rob. Indeed what, we what, are. What's your ancestry? I, we're thinking they stowed away in a boat. Oh, a bunch of stowaways is what they made you. Yeah, because it seems like the name changes when you uh, get to America. And so I'm thinking they... They were probably criminals. So like, oh, those... Well, no, I, I'm thinking they were just cheap. No, nope, they were criminals. <laughs> Actually, no. Um, if you are any indication, they were cheap. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm thinking. That's how I get to America. So we can figure out a lot about our ancestors by just looking at ourselves. Yeah. So my ancestors were ruggedly good looking. Well, Tall, they, dark, handsome. But you were telling me the other Terrible day. Terrible at math. Horrible at math. Townsends were the first to live in a cul-de-sac because they lived at the town's end. Exactly. Or they worked for the postal service because you would send it to town. Towns send. Oh. Hmm. I don't know. That S can go either way. It just depends where you place the S. So uh, on the program today, we are talking about, we're not talking about ancestry. I don't know how we got Family that. history? Not talking about family history. We're talking about engagement. Employee engagement, for example. Well, the other kind of engagement sounds like family. We're tired of talking about that because none of you guys ever do anything about what we talk about. Right, Bryce? That is not accurate. We sometimes do things that you tell us to do. And you think you? employee engagement's going to be any better? Employee, see, I'm hoping that where we couldn't move you guys on the marriage engagement, if we work on the employee side, maybe we can get you more engaged in your jobs. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, even though I won't be working here in a few months. Well, you're going to graduate. Indeed. And you'll probably, that's probably when you'll get engaged. I doubt it. To, Felicia. Felicity. Felicity. Even though that's her not. Her well, you'll get name. a job where you make good money and you'll have surplus income for the first time in your life and you'll be like, hey, yeah. surplus income. You'll have a Costco card. I already have one. Oh. I'm sorry. They give them out to anybody? Uh, no, they, uh, well, any, <laughs> anybody with 50 bucks. I thought, I thought they had higher standards, like that you had to be employed and in the Hey, work. I'm still technically employed. I'm not very well employed, but I am employed. Make it sound like they have a dress code. <laughs> they do. Like they're so like so for Costco, you have to have a shirt and tie on. That's where I get all my clothes from Costco. Is this the fifties? I'm yes. gonna go for an airplane ride. Better put on my suit. But wouldn't you love it? Wouldn't you love to be able to dress up like that and have a hat, wear a hat, and dress nice like they did in the fifties? Like when you get on an airplane, you dress up. You're going flying. I mean, You're going in the magical flying machine. I, was, to... I picture Spencer Tracy. From it's a madman, madman yeah. world with this little hat. He has to dimple it just right. Yeah, those so. were the days. See now, 
Levi's. Pajamas. Comfortable. Yeah. It's just, where have we gone? It's because we're disengaged. No, See, well, it goes back to our topic every it's, time. When you treat people like cattle, people treat you like a, I don't know. A, like a cattle a, owner. A, like a cattle owner. A sure. rancher. A, fa- a farmer. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's weird. Um, engagement. Okay, so if I asked you guys, do you feel engaged? Do you feel like you're an engaged employee? Your mind is here. Your heart is here. You're totally wanting to make this the best show in the world. Engagement. Are you there? It makes me feel tired. See, okay, that's not engagement. It is. That's I just I have a lot to do, and I don't have enough time to do and it. And you're running out of it time. It makes me feel tired. What do you think, Bryce? I am on board. I like this show. You, I, so you feel engaged? Yeah. Because yeah. guess what percentage? So Gallup organization did a poll about engagement. Guess what percentage of people they say are disengaged? All of them? 65% of the workforce. That's two-thirds. Two-thirds of the workforce not engaged, not interested. You don't have have their heart. You don't have their mind. They're not bought into wanting to give their free, you know, will, their energy, their desire, their will. They're not giving it to companies. It's changing. See, it used to be you'd give everything. That's all you had. I don't know. I think there were some disengaged, I don't know, some farmers or fact, well, textile mill workers. Yeah, I think it was different, though, because you, while you were there, they were watching every second. They well, were checking you. You, you. They, you could get whipped. You, well, back, you gave both your thumbs for that company. Back, so. in the old day, back in the old days, triangle shirt waves, to make sure you were engaged, they just lock you in. See? And it worked great Yeah, right up until they had that fire. Yeah. And everybody died. Awkward. See, that's that was engagement. But they're finding out lately it, we get, become more disengaged because you have so many more choices for where to give your energy and your time. Now people can go – I don't know when you guys were born, but there used to be a game that people play. They probably don't even play it anymore called Tetris. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know Tetris. And Tetris was the beginning of the disengagement <laughs> process. That and Solitaire – those uh, were those were the two games the, the, that came loaded in every Microsoft computer, and that was right then. That was the beginning. What of about Snake? I remember Snake, or Nibbles, or whatever they called it. But the little snake that would Are, go where, around. These sound like your old girlfriends. <laughs> Nibbles. Nibbles. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, so uh, employee engagement is falling. In fact, they think it's about Gallup would say it's about a four hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty billion dollar problem a year. As in, we could be across the board. We could all be making. We could be rocking. We could get a piece of that five hundred billion. Yeah, that's what. Or I'd like five hundred billion dollars. Well, you wouldn't. You just get a piece of it, but you'd probably have more upward mobility. You'd have opportunities. Instead, we're all just tired and exhausted. So, when you're out there in listener land driving, are you coming home from a job today thinking, "Ugh, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to be a dancer." That's what I would, if I could be anything right now, I'd want to dance. Matt, you can dance if you want to. You can yeah. leave your friends behind. Because yeah. if they don't <laughs> dance. And if they don't dance. Okay. They're no friends of mine. I like uh, how we were on the same wavelength on that. That was really good. Good job. That's neat. That's um, how you know the show's engaged. Yeah. We're all here. Or seriously distracted. That's, That's messed up. 80s songs were, I mean. But 80s <laughs> songs, again, you didn't live the 80s or you would have like mastered Tetris like the rest of us in solitaire. That that long piece, you know what I mean? The four in a row? Yeah. That's what you need totally. all the time. 
I, you know, I'm thinking though. They have those Google-like work environments with the squishy chairs and the little bouncy balls and stuff to to feel happy. So you want to be engaged at work. Free food. Right. Pipe in '80s music. Well, well, okay. then would it have that mall feeling to it? Yeah, but then you feel like you're at the mall. So instead of you know, like you're sitting there and you have your big Excel spreadsheet open and you think, oh, Excel spreadsheet. But then Belinda Carlisle. Ooh, baby, you know what that's what? It's like, hey, spreadsheet. Oh, no, keep All singing. Right. Keep singing that a little bit longer. <laughs> no, wait. Because I'm starting heaven to. Heaven no, no, is stop. a place stop. on earth. Stop. But <laughs> it, would, it would make the workplace See, bounce and okay, fun. But you just brought up a really good point in my mind. Um, that's also when we had a lot of um, postal kind of worker shootings. Uh, the 80s? 80s. I thought that was yeah, maybe I don't have anything to do with Belinda Carlisle, but the way you just sang that, all I could think is postal worker. Well, what about big TV screens on the walls of the lobbies rolling uh, Ferris Bueller's Day off over and over and over? Well, no, but is that just the with message? The sound off, See, I think the idea of engagement is that we, you know, you you actually like being where you are. So you you wouldn't mind the big spreadsheet because you like you would want to throw that spreadsheet down. Let's get going. You're engaged instead of like having to entertain everyone. But then, so why do companies spend so much money trying to entertain people? Free cereal, uh, bring your dog to work day. Well, those were old school. I don't know that there's, I don't know that they're doing that. A buddy of mine much. works for a company here in town, and they have, uh, instead of giving everyone pay raises, they said <laughs> you can bring your dog to work. And so yeah, people totally. bring their dogs to well, work. Easy I mean, so, trade off well, right so, there. So, yeah, that's just, do we want to smell dog or do we want to have to pay out money? So to keep the business running, let's just not pay out money, we'll just bring your dog. But it, I, they they like it. I guess that's part of it. But part of it too is they want you to like want to be in your job, you know, and be engaged and excited and bought into it because you love what you're doing and you love the degree that you got and you love using it in your world and you're in flow. We've talked about that on the show. But it seems like uh, we're kind of moving away from that. Yeah, I, I like what you said. It seems like we're entertaining. We're like, yeah. have fun. Right. Which makes people happy to go to work, but does it get more work out of it? I that? don't think it does. I don't think it does. No way. On the show today, we're going to be talking to an expert uh, who's going to be talking to us and teaching us about what's called entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, I think it's basically you become your own entity and you start thinking how you're going to, you know, not be, not be an entrepreneur in your company, but be an entrepreneur. Use those same skills you would as an entrepreneur for your company. Tighten your skills up. And once you get good at it, you can leave your company and do it for yourself. That's exactly right. See, but that's interesting because most companies I know would probably be okay if you were engaged and then left. They'd probably be fine with that because you were engaged. The worst is being disengaged and then never leaving. So when you're disengaged and you stay there all day, then that's called presenteeism. Now you're there all day, but you're never – you're present, but you're not – so at nine to five, contributing. people who come in at nine and they always make sure that they have out, outlook open so they look like they're busy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, that's presenteeism, know. which is a part of disengagement. So it might be better that we do have turnover, higher turnover because we we're producing really strong, smart people that love what they're doing. But once they get good at it, if you can't enroll me into doing it for my company, then maybe I'll go do it for myself and I'll go become an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur. I'd start on the entrepreneuring, then I move out, and I'm an entrepreneur. Boom! Isn't that cool? Extrapreneur. So, uh, Rob, you've been doing some research, apparently. I haven't, but I know people who have. <laughs> Researchers. Engaged. Psychologists. Okay, what did you learn? Who say 
It's the same mentality that Campbell Soup used. They figured out if they bought TV and radio spots on miserable cold days, it was a more effective ad buy oh, sure. than trying to sell tomato soup in July. Oh, yeah, middle of summer. Hey, it's good for the 4th of July. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah I know. Not yeah. so good. Hot tomato soup. Ugh. Take that same research and apply it to a workplace. You find if the thermostat is set too cold, people's productivity drops off because really? they're cold. <laughs> they're, 60, I mean, 68 degrees is the magic number when it starts to get too cold. Really? I mean, we're mammals. When it gets cold, we hibernate. Makes sense. I do some of my best work not when I'm cold or hot. I like 70 degrees. Okay, Goldilocks. Yeah. Well, they, Just they, this is too right. hot. Well, they were saying, actually, if you crank it up to 77 and make it almost a little too hot, that doesn't hurt the productivity as much because it's cozy. and. No, but what it hurts is other things because then you start, like, I take my shirt off. <laughs> When it gets really hot, I just say, hey, I'm, hey, I'm hot. I'm taking my shirt off. You can't get a lot of work done when no. people are like, hey, guys, well, Matt took his shirt off. <laughs> I mean, you got to check I this could. out. It's everyone else that can't. And uh, then HR gets called. And then, and then I then, waste H- HR's yeah. time. See, so if I'm too hot, the shirt's coming off. Matthew, we have a dress code in this yeah. building. <laughs> You're like, but I'm I'm the boss. That's why I kind of yeah. Or just, you just wear one of those little. What do they call them? Those little uh, wife beaters. Wife beater t-shirts. Those are the white t-shirts. Sleeve, always, sleeveless t-shirts. Sleeveless. So I might just do that. But yeah. So but uh, so we're really trying to engage people by adjusting thermostats. Drop it down to sixty-eight degrees. Errors go up forty-four percent. Really, that's amazing. They say there's a link between physical warmth and interpersonal warmth. Oh, really? So when the workplace is cold, yeah, we're not. Think, oh, we're my boss isn't talking to me because yeah. he's, he's cold and hard. You just by the way, right when you started talking, you crossed your arms. But when it's warm, right? But when you're cold, you cross your arms. Yeah, because you're cold, and then that sends off a signal to other people that you're. Well, help me with this because our studios are always very warm, and that's why we have such a good time on air. Oh, you think? There's probably a little truth there. Feels kind of tropical. Feels warm, both yeah. physically and interpersonally. Especially, I'm not buying it. Especially when it. it's all concrete and snow out there in, you know, yeah. during eight months of the year, almost. So if you're a physical facilities manager, set your thermostat to 77 or higher. You've, your employees will love it. This is this is actually, we might be onto something. So maybe that is why the studios are so warm. I'm sure the people that built this studio thought, hey, Let's let's make it warmer so that they could have more interpersonal warmth. Yeah, so it's not cold and heartless. Yeah. Why do you think they put the thermostats in here that don't work? You know, so all along I believe that office thermostats are placebos. They don't yeah. actually do anything. No, I'm with you. I, I'm standing corrected. Why? So for an experiment the other day, uh, Merritt and Bryce – Cranked up the heat in one room. In, it's in our producer's booth. It's a teeny tiny room. So I figure if there was a room that would be affected, find the smallest one. It, so you found it? got it? pretty hot in there. So, so it's not placebo. Well, or, not. well, no, but again, remember, you all knew that we were cranking it up. So you were all, maybe your mind had bought into it, right? Cool. Your mind had bought into the idea that we're cranking it. And so because we're cranking it, it's obviously getting warmer. Could have been. I'm not sure exactly. So, uh, placebo. I, I'm I'm pretty sure this one doesn't work in here. I think this room's too big. I I just don't know what to think. Anymore. I think it's because we blow a lot of hot air in here. 
Boom. That's why. We're talking engagement. Are you an engaged employee? And do you think being engaged increases the likelihood you're going to keep a job? Well, that's what we're talking about. We're going to be bringing on some experts in a few minutes uh, talking about entrepreneuring. We're also going to take a break. And when we come back, our own Bryce Tobin's going to going to get into some of the uh, fun, I don't know what we call it, kind of the passive-aggressive employee. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about engagement. Are you an employed or are you an engaged employee? Engagement is this idea that your head is in the game, your heart is in the game, you love what you're doing, and uh, you love it so much that, you know, even when you have, like, free time, you're still trying to get better and better and better at your job and what you're offering the organization. Our own Bryce Tobin is joining us now. Bryce now has grown up as a, I guess, a semi at times a semi-engaged employee? Look, we all have those jobs where we just aren't the perfect fit for it. Yeah. And normally, you do something like you go on strike. But the strike is it's dramatic. Well, and it's really dramatic like when you're a 17-year-old lifeguard. Exactly, exactly. You can strike all you want, and they'll just say, next, and they'll get yeah. another lifeguard. Replaceable, right? Right. And so sometimes a strike is just not you know, the it's best way work. To, to invoke some change. <laughs> In your workplace. True, um, true. And so I think a lot of us, when we've had those jobs, we've gone to the lowest common denominator, which yeah. is being passive aggressive. So you, you, you're not going to be overtly aggressive. Because that'll get you fired. That'll get you fired. You just don't, you're just going to teach a lesson. So you just passively, quietly start sabotaging things. Uh, like you, you just cost the the organization of the bosses and so I I asked around the office I got a few from myself and you no guys, these are hypotheticals no these are actual things that people have done I mean you talk about stuff like borrowing your friend's car and then parking it in the company president's space and, and leaving it there for a week wow did you do that no Derek Marquis listens to the show <laughs> so Derek if somebody is parking in your space it's Rob Sanders does it's actually his Rob Sanders brother's car. Just letting you know. It's that. a red Miata. Now, now, don't worry about it. Whenever you're playing games with cars, don't do it with your own car. Yeah. If you're gonna mess with someone's car, use a friend's. Does Derek even have a oh, parking spot? No, know. he's no. he's he's cool. He, he shares with the rest he of us. Very egalitarian of him. Yeah, totally. So what are these now this is really interesting because this is gonna give you a really good idea of BYU radio. Well, no, we're not doing this job. We're not. You don't. You don't do this <laughs> when, here. When I this people, is... I was like, "Don't tell me now, okay. because we work here." So you all this. Okay, so this is really just going to tell you about the employees of Brigham Young Radio uh, or BYU Radio, and um, from past employment in in, in past... their worst kind of their worst experiences. Okay. So mine, I was working for a grocery store super center. Yeah. Um, has a red color scheme. I'll let you figure that out. Okay. Um. I was working there and they do this, they would do this thing called zoning, which was just going in and organize. I was a cashier. Okay? Like you'd organize a targeted zone? A targeted, I, there, I would target a zone. Okay. And I would organize it in at, the, this, it, at this red color schemed store. In the targeted area. In the targeted okay. area. Yeah. And so, which is fine. That's kind of like the busy work of my job. It's kind of like the target you were trying to hit. Exactly. Exactly. And I would, they would ask me to do that while I was cashiering. Oh wow! But they would do it while um, people were still in the store. 
Yeah. So like at seven o'clock, it's probably the worst time to go reorganize the soup cans because there's going to be three hours more of people coming through and ruining it. So whenever they would ask me to do that, I would go organize things like the carpets and the rugs and I'd go over to the Legos area and kind of shop around a bit. You mean play? Yeah. You'd play in the Legos. I'd grab the little Nerf swords. So you'd you'd go to the toy area. So you were just sandbagging it. You were just sandbagging? Definitely. And because did they not notice, like, hey, you sure go to the rugs a lot. Why are you always in the rugs? The store's big enough. It's They would never find me. I was always busy. Don't they ever call you? Targeting Bryce Tobin. Targeting Bryce Tobin. <laughs> no, they never Please did come that. to the front. No. Um, okay. Another, another That's one. costing him a lot of money. Well, I mean, you know, if you ever wondered why there's only two cashiers... At the front of stores? Because the rest are around. It cost them $16 in lost See, that's wages. See, there there's a cost of a disengaged employee. Right. Okay. There's that. Uh, another good one we have. Uh, this was from our very own Kylan Rice. He used to work for uh, – he used to work in an airport, and he was the guy who was loading freight uh, wow. planes. Yeah. And uh, he, he's, he he didn't like his boss. He's, no. He did not like his boss. Um, and Kylan, he's a very cerebral guy. He's a thinker. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a very physical job. And so uh, when they had hard days out on the tarmac loading things, they would play what he called aggressive Tetris with with the baggage, with the packages. With the packages. They just speed up the line or something. <laughs> no, no, they would. They would say, huh, this package really shouldn't fit in between these. But I'm going to make it fit. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah. I've actually had Have a lot got... of packages that had aggressive packaging. Yeah. Aggressive Tetris. They've Tetris. been victims yeah. of that. Well, my, fact, my, yeah. I yeah. got my uh, tracking thing. Uh, my package, it wasn't coming. It wasn't coming. And then I finally saw crushed return to sender. <laughs> Refund will be yeah. issued. That, that's somebody that lost in aggressive Tetris. It was probably Kylan doing it. Kylan. We're going to have to bring that up. Boy, to. that's see. But look at the cost of that. What's the cost of that? So that's the uh, return packages. Right? Yeah. Um, see, I mean, they may have been able to fit more on a freight. It might be plane. better to just get a manager that you like, and and hire you know. Because if not, just one manager you don't like is going to cost a lot of money. I mean, packages. I'm sure. I'm sure they destroyed some mm. things. If their packages are anything like the ones that I have received on occasion, oh, yeah. that's going to cost them. Okay, the coup de gras, the best one I heard. Coop de grass. Coop. I love coop grass. A coup. Um, right. McCall, she does our Market. she does our, our marketing, our PR. Okay. She was filling out insurance for the or she hypothetically fill, hypothetically um, filling out. She, she dealt with insurance forms for a hospital, and her boss didn't do anything. Her boss played Farmville all day. Oh, well, that's hard though. You got to get your crops in. You have Once to. Once you've put them out, you got to get them in. I mean, if you miss that hour <laughs> back and forth, that's bad news. Engagement. Okay. Oh, okay. man. Okay. It was bad. It was like this boss was terrible to McCall. But this was also in high school. But this boss's son had a crush on McCall. Oh. And so they would just go away on dates. No, 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 no. What would they do? The absolute opposite. McCall would make this boy think that McCall wanted to go on dates with him. She would she would lead him on for a little bit. That little naughty seventeen. And then she would and then she would crush his soul. And then she'd yeah. lead him on a little bit more. Oh my word. That's like she was being passive aggressive. Yeah. Passive aggressively towards her boss. Well, do two passive aggressives just make her aggressive? Um 
I don't know. That's pretty. That's some genius stuff. Like that's. But see that she told me that. Like we were all like, okay, wow, we're done with the question. Win. And by the way, yeah. stay away from McCall because you won't know if she's wanting if she's just playing you. You have to figure out if she works with anyone see, you're related to. This is incredible. Wow. See, there's a cost right there. I mean, that little boy. That little boy. He's probably he probably can't have a functional relationship now. You know what? No wonder. Right. No wonder you guys aren't married. Don't you think? Uh, my my heart has been farmville too many times. <laughs> There's a cost to this lack of engagement, folks. Are you feeling it where you are? Do you uh, – this is interesting. Good research. Bryce, you nailed it. We're awful people. That's what I learned. Um, you, you know what? I gave you a target and you nailed it. Boom. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Right in the Kmart. No, that doesn't no, work. It no, it doesn't okay. work that way. No. Nope. Uh, right on target. So – we are going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to some organizational experts about a new concept. It's not new. Just kind of a, an old concept with a new twist called intrapreneuring. We're going to learn about how with a changing economy, with changing skills and tools, with the information age, maybe it's time that you become an intrapreneur where you start working your inside of your business the way you might work your own business. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Again, uh, what we're trying to do on today's program is give you some tools to make sure that you um, are more valuable to your company than if you just kind of go with the status quo. It's probably not enough in life to just go with the flow anymore. I don't know if you've noticed, but technologies are changing. Uh, even your work processes, your work structure, how you go about uh, doing business, making money, Things are changing in the information age, and we've asked two experts to come and join us. Robert Smith is joining us, and also Randy Favero. Is that how you say it, Randy? It is. Favero. Favero. I want to like put some Italian spin on it or some yeah, kind you of. You were a... pretty close. So, uh, two guys from a wonderful group called Silver Park Group, but they're two highly educated, highly skilled executives. We'll start with Robert. Robert graduated from Brigham Young University with a bachelor in science, majoring in finance and accounting. Over the past 30 years, Bob has had a successful track record building businesses in retail, manufacturing and technology. Most recently, he's been the COO for LED Lighting Applied. LLC, and he's been a chairman of the advisory board for the Marriott School of Management Society, the Philadelphia chapter. And uh, Randy here has got 25 years of management experience, completed his graduate school at the University of Utah with some recent experience where he served with Novell as a vice president and area general manager, and also in 2008 uh, spent time as the executive vice president of National Teleconsultants. These two guys have been on every board you can imagine in the world, and uh but they start a company called Silver Park Group, and so two business executives. First of all, where's what's the Silver Park? Tell me about that because, come on, silver. I see silver in your hair, but it can't just be that, right? That that's so true. Where'd you guys meet at the park somewhere? Well, we've known each other for thirty years, <laughs> and you? so uh, when we got a chance to get together in our careers and a great part in our career, we uh, 
we formed this company and uh, being creative like we are we uh, we looked at our hair and said it's silver and silver uh, randy lives in park city i live on park drive so we uh, out in connecticut where are you out in, i'm out in, in pennsylvania oh, in pennsylvania that's right just outside of philadelphia oh, neat. and uh, so we have the silver park group so as consultant is that what you do most of the time is help businesses succeed is that what you're doing that's right. We, uh, we're a consulting firm, uh, business consulting, but what we specialize is, is innovative, uh, consulting, uh, innovative collaboration and business growth. Okay. Those are the things that uh, we really work what with. What do you think about? I mean, I, you look at employees today and, um, some, I mean, we're, it just seems like we're tired. It seems like everybody's just tired. They're tired of, the games, some people don't seem to want to be where they are. Maybe the economy threw them into an area they don't want to be. But I know a lot of what you guys kind of focus on and work on is this concept called intrapreneuring. What is that? I mean, we've heard of entrepreneuring. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What's intrapreneuring? Well, intrapreneuring, uh, Matt, is, is the concept of being an entrepreneur within an existing company. But we take it another step forward. Beyond that, and that's to to make that a a a situation where the resources, uh, the people, the finances, the management all support that spirit of innovation within the company, huh. and it becomes a true culture. So, because this employee engagement we were talking about before you guys came on, supposedly about two thirds of employees aren't bought in. They're not engaged. Their their heart's not there. Their mind's not there. They might know they're going to retire in five years. So why am I? I'll just get my ring or my watch and get out of here. Or um, they're not loving the company. They're not passionate about what they do. Um, so you're saying, you know, I guess you could leave and go be an entrepreneur, or you could try with, I guess it sounds like the help of the company to to instead get in and get innovative and start. Using the skills of an entrepreneur, but using it on your own on the business you're currently working in. Well, one of the keys is to ask why are employees not engaged. Yeah, huge question. Well, what, what is it that that causes them to be either detached mm-hmm. from the business or discouraged, or uh, not feeling like any idea that they'd bring to the table was going to get due consideration? Yeah. What are you seeing? Why, what are you seeing is one of the causes, or what's driving it? Well, you know, we have a fundamental belief that there is a a change or a shift in the economy. We are, no question, in a stalled economy. Yeah. Have been for the last 40 years uh, uh, facing a problem where efficiencies have been driven out of, 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 or inefficiencies have been driven out of businesses. Okay, yeah. And with that goes a lot of jobs. Yeah. And yeah. so people start looking over their shoulder saying, what's next or who's next or am I next? Right. So they get scared. They get a little scared, get a little nervous. Uh, and then when they do come up with good ideas, there's a question of, should I take this idea forward? Uh, what if it's looked at as a dumb idea? Right. What's that going to do to me? What if it's a really good idea, but nothing happens from it? Yeah. And uh, what's the possibility or probability that something's actually going to be done with this idea? And when people go home at night wondering those questions, uh, it causes them to be disengaged. Totally. So you've got this idea that could change your company because you're on the inside seeing on the front end of this big problem. But you either don't bring the idea forward. You don't know how to bring the idea forward. You bring it forward and no one cares. So so that's where the entrepreneuring comes in. That's right. And, and the whole notion of being an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. You know, there are a lot of great ideas out there. And a lot of companies, in fact, most companies, stay focused on either their strategy department 
or the research and development departments yeah. to bring new ideas forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, my years, one of the things that, uh, that, uh, wasn't mentioned as I spent uh, 19 years with the IBM company. Oh, did you? Yeah. And uh, and there's no place in the world no. that has more patents, more ideas, right. more thoughts, etc. And, and there were there were all kinds of programs to help employees bring ideas forward. Right. Yeah. But even in that environment, getting those ideas woven into the business strategy was a bit of a challenge. Is it's, that like the bureaucracy? Just the mindset wasn't there? Well, to like, you no, know, no to listen, the up? mindset was absolutely there to stimulate ideas. Hmm. But the structure, the methodology, the processes by which it actually happened yeah. is where it breaks and down. it just strangles them. And so our notion is there are entrepreneurs out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, good ideas can come from a lot of places, yep. not just strategy departments or, or R&D departments. Yeah. And if it's uh, enabled with, again, the right methodologies, processes, infrastructure, to have those ideas surfaced, then you you have a couple of things that happen. First of all, you have ideas that don't lay fallow or right. don't get, you know, not looked at. Yeah. Secondly, you have an opportunity to reach out to the employees and say, we value your idea, we value your engagement, and we want to recognize and reward and incent you to bring those ideas forward. Huge. And, and the whole notion is if a, if ideas can be identified and brought forward, the company has an opportunity to do five things with it. Either say, that is a great idea. It's going to be, augment our product line. Right. That's a great idea. We ought to create a new product line. That's a great idea. It's probably outside of our domain, so let's do a spinoff and let it be self-sustaining. Or that's a great idea, probably outside of our domain. We're going to sell that idea to somebody else, let them develop it. We'll keep our percent of it so right. we can get something. Or probably not a great idea. And that last one is as important to the others, to the employee, oh, sure. if it's done in a, in a risk-free yeah. environment where they're encouraged to bring the idea forward. And if for whatever reason it's not a terrific idea, they get that feedback. It makes them better, uh -huh. helps their thought process, and, again, enables them to be part of the business and, and, and shape and well, direct the strategy. I mean, imagine, and I've seen it. I've seen companies that didn't have that spirit of bring it forward, bring those ideas out. And in so because they'd either want to steal it, people would feel like, oh, you're going to steal the idea. You're not going to involve me in it. You're going to take all the credit, boot me. Or whatever. All of the above. And so um, everyone left and they just take their idea and they went and went and started. I, I've seen a company breed some incredible talent. Then they all go out and created competitive products. Mm -hmm. Then that company had to go buy all of these people. So right. they had to derive the value they wanted by buying at a higher price instead of just growing it from within. Right. That's really what you're Well, you're again, the to question to ask is why did those people yeah. leave? It's a big deal. I mean, part of it, too, is I guess, uh, you know, you need money to make some of these ideas come out. You need resources. You need skill sets. There just seems to be a really weird competition, though, sometimes with our bosses, with our managers, where I'm like, if I bring an idea, he'll take it, take it up the line, steal. I mean, it's like it's almost this fear of having someone steal it. You know what I mean? And not getting your due credit. Is that... No, that's, that's, how, that's, how do you circumvent that? That's so political, and it seems like it's that's been there forever. That's that's a very real concern. Either if I bring this for, idea forward and it's not a good idea, then I'm going to be viewed as yeah, clueless. Yeah, yeah, clueless. Or if it's a really great idea, how am I ensured that I'm going to actually be a part of moving it forward? Yeah. Is, am, am I nervous about my boss? Yeah. Am I nervous about whether the idea is going to get implemented in the way I really envisioned it? Uh-huh. 
Well, and, and am I the right guy to even be doing it? I mean, that's what I can hear companies say. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. We're going to have Jones do it because Jones just got out of Harvard. And we're going to let Jones lead. The, and you're like, hold it. What about me? Uh, well, it's what about me in terms of actually getting it to market. But yeah. it's what about me in terms of what do I get out of this? You yeah. know, is there really an incentive to me as an employee to bring an idea like this to the table? That's such a good question. And if you talk talk about the people that are in their last five years, you know, what am I going to do in the next five years? Well, I don't want to rock the boat. Right. So I'm not going to let's not, not go there. Walk off this plank. It's true, though, huh? I mean, people, we're so, it seems like employees, we've kind of been trained to be a little fearful of our own organization. And maybe right. that's even more so when, when the economy took such a hit and there were so many, maybe these layoffs that are coming down. Everyone is so afraid. I was in a meeting today uh, listening to a, a really big organization and the executives were talking to all the middle managers. But a lot of the questions were about, what about longevity? Is this company going to be around? What do our finances look like? I mean, there's a lot of fear. A lot of the questions were fear-based. Well, and the reality is they're they're justified. Yeah. Because there are no uh, too big to fail uh, right. environments any longer. Yeah, yeah. You know, anybody can fail if they take their eye off the ball, and that's where we absolutely believe this notion of entrepreneurship is critical to success of businesses. Mm. Yeah. Is is the entrepreneuring idea can it be operated and instituted without management buying in? Uh, you know. Innovation uh, can't be declared. Right. You can't say we will now declare. Starting today, we are going to be an innovative company, and yeah. you will come up with twelve new ideas. <laughs> In fact, we recently saw a situation where a company told its employees that you will be evaluated on new ideas, and you're expected to come up with a oh. new idea. How did that go? Uh, it's massively <laughs> well. frustrating for everybody. Is it? Yeah, you can't force creativity. No. You, and again, you can't uh, declare innovation. It has yeah. to be a cultural thing. But um, there are there are obstacles to getting there, also from the management side, because we we again now are in an environment, a culture that says, what is most important? Short term yeah. results, Get return to the right. shareholders, yeah. and that's what management is focused on: wow. performance, short term performance. Which is not always about long-term investment and planning and ideas and no, and so so it it absolutely becomes important for there to be a separation between those that are chartered with the day-to-day -day operation of the business and those that are chartered with fostering this this culture mm -hmm. of innovation. There has to be a separation point whereby the individual who has the idea has a mechanism, a methodology to bring those ideas forward that are separated from his day-to-day -day responsibilities okay, yeah. and the, the, the management track that is directly the line staff directly above him. So, again, so, the ideas so, yeah. can be surfaced without... Uh, yeah, without hindering their current positioning right. and even expenditure of time. They've, they should do it on their own, be able to or inst or, like, introduce the idea... Right. And then see what we do with it after. Huge. We're talking with two wonderful gentlemen. Robert Smith's joining us. Randy Favero's joining us. We're talking about entrepreneuring. They're both from the Silver Park Group, a consulting firm trying to educate, inform businesses and individuals about the power of being an entrepreneur, which is an entrepreneur in your own business. Being an innovator, uh, which I think in the end has the potential if we can create that culture, that spirit of it of uh, getting significantly more with your own company. 
And so uh, executives, listen up. We're going to take a break and come back talking more with Robert and Randy about their wonderful ideas, some of the blocks that come to creating entrepreneuring. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Remember, we do what we can on this program to give you the tools you need to hopefully grow a healthier, happier life. Today, we're talking about some ideas you might want to be thinking about when it comes to you in your workplace. If you want confidence that you're going to have a job in the future, maybe you ought not just depend on everyone else to be good at getting you the job. Maybe one of the things you might want to become is an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is somebody, and we'll get more into it uh, with our guests today, an entrepreneur is somebody that knows how to innovate in their own organization and even create or foster maybe a spirit of that. So if you're a business owner, wouldn't it be powerful if you could have a bunch of entrepreneurial-minded people growing your business and create systems and structures for that growth? We're joined today by some executives of a wonderful organization called Silver Park Group. It's a consulting firm. Their goal as a consulting firm is to create more create more collaborative innovation. And uh, our guests are Randy Favero and Robert Smith. Between the two of them, 60-ish, 55 years of management experience. They've worked on huge or with huge organizations. They do a lot of big consulting. They're on advisor, advisory boards. Um, really, they're trying to help create jobs in the world. Is that really the goal then? Job innovation. Absolutely, Matt. You know, if if businesses are are growing, and that will create not only revenue for their investors and for for upper management, but it also creates opportunity for employment. Yeah. And uh, today, you don't hear much about companies growing in terms of employment. It's all about going lean, cutting expenses, trimming things so that they can increase the bottom line. But that's because of the economy. Yeah. And those old old solutions that that have been in place for years aren't working today. No, it seems like, yeah, the 20th century or whatever, the Industrial Revolution mindset isn't going to work anymore, is it? No. Well, it it moved from Industrial Revolution to then thinning things down and and taking out the inefficiencies. That's right. right. And now where are we? Yeah. And and the the message that we have is that it is time to focus on growth. Yeah. In conversations that we've had with uh, wonderful thought leaders uh, across academia, uh, government, um, business, uh, such as Clayton Christian oh, at yeah. Harvard Business Harvard, School, yeah. um, Chris Trimble uh, at uh, the Tuck School at Dartmouth College, mm. um, even Greg Bell, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Utah, yeah. all have, have uh, concurred with our premise that growth is the next area that we so need growth to focus because on. it seems like a lot of people would saying, "Well, okay, I guess you guys are missing the point because the growth isn't happening because the market's not there." But you're saying. We grow. We can still figure out new growth, new markets, new ideas, new concepts that would foster the growth. Absolutely. You don't need to wait for the market to change. I guess you could go create markets. That's right. We'll, we'll help companies figure out the way to stimulate growth. Yeah. Companies. So right. you're even – there's an assumption in your premise that says that the answers are in the company, even if we don't know how to get them out of them. The ideas are in the people. And one of the things your consulting group does, I guess, is help to facilitate this collaboration, I guess, between companies and government agencies and 
I guess, even schooling. I mean, our education, it's almost like we're all on such different pages, but we're all supposed to be fighting the same dragon. We all have a common problem, uh, and that's creating jobs yeah. and, and improving the, uh, the, the, the the types of jobs and, and, frankly, improving the work product that comes out of our school. Yeah. Uh, or schools, rather. There, there uh, was a study that, that I saw in the news just this past week that only some single-digit, uh, high, uh, low, double-digit mm-hmm. students felt prepared coming out of universities. To, low double digits. Yeah, to, feels ready. Feel ready to take on the current world. That, that's right, and that you know, and that's a that's frightening. Scary. That's a frightening thing, and, yeah. and to me, it gets back to experiential learning. Yeah, totally. What can happen to cause those students? To get experience, so as they come out of their college experience, they're going to be ready to produce. When I uh, uh, mentioned earlier, I spent 19 years with the IBM company. Yeah, my first year at IBM was spent in training, preparing me to think the IBM way. Interesting. But and it was IBM and Xerox and GE that had training programs like that for their employees. Nobody can afford to do that anymore. Today. But yet, when uh, well, that's why you've got so many. Pa- that's why IBM produced so much, right? Because well, you. Your mind was there. Yeah, you were you were absolutely bought in. I I then spent uh, uh, some years with Netscape and started and and ran the worldwide professional service at a very interesting time as Netscape was starting was just to, taking off. to take off. And, and even there, um, we had a hard time bringing people out of school that could immediately contribute. Oh yeah, to the kinds of things that Netscape was doing. Yeah, you know, very innovative, very mm-hmm. cutting you know, edge, cutting edge, right? Changing the world. Yeah, but. People jumped on board in a heartbeat because they really saw that they had an opportunity to change the world. So some of our jobs you're saying, I guess this is the why of it all. Why would we care about entrepreneuring? Why would we care about engagement? But um, part of this is this is about jobs. If we don't start creating jobs by changing some of these paradigms in our organization, we're not going to have jobs. Uh, that's exactly right. And, and again, our focus is collaborative innovation. And in this case, it's who shares a common problem? Uh, academia, yeah. government, yeah. and business. And it's all about how do we create jobs and how do we prepare the, and enable the work product, the students coming out of the colleges to be able to contribute and contribute quickly. Oh. And you want them to be able to come into an environment where they are going to feel stimulated right. and be able to contribute and day one use that – the the insight of a new generation mm. because I look at yeah. my grandkids oh, and yeah. pick up their iPad yeah. you know I mean their eyes are so different than the older oh. gens right where we're like we didn't we didn't grow up with an iPad that's right and they are capable of making contribution if we have the infrastructure methodologies mm. and processes to enable them to make those contributions why I mean it seems like a no brainer right it seems like government has a vested interest to do this we need tax base we need growth. Businesses do because you're going to need bodies. Uh, education needs to somehow keep compensating or stay keep getting the government monies coming in to, for the educational system. We, they may as well be delivering on our needs. What's the problem? Why why are we not innovating anyway? I mean, it seems like why have we not figured this out? Well, innovation in itself is is more than just ideas, you know. And and uh, as as uh, businesses. Uh, Push for new ideas, new concept, disruptive innovation, breakthrough innovation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there, there needs to be some 
some method or process that will allow that innovation to be successful within the company. The, and the processes, I guess, don't just naturally emerge. No, no, no. They have to be created. No, and then you have competitive departments, you know. Yeah, Whose yeah. idea is better? Yeah. Let's spend money on my idea, not That's your interesting, idea. Huh? Who's the loudest? Who's That's got right. the purse strings, the sales or the innovation? I mean, it's interesting who – and really, it depends on the companies too, really, huh? Because every company might have already a history of letting sales lead or letting innovation lead R&D, or R&D you know? lead. Right. Yeah, yeah, you talk about cultural influences. Yeah. Those kind of things are real. But you can't pick up a business uh, magazine or, or anything today without seeing innovation you yeah. know, as, oh, a, yeah. as a primary topic for it's articles there. and conversation. Uh, there is a recognition that, that we must be more innovative. But as I said earlier, you can't declare innovation. You've no. got to to put the structure around that that cultural declaration, yeah. if you will, that enables it to actually happen. Well, it seems like it couldn't be you couldn't be further from the truth in some you know college programs than than the concept of being innovative. That you walk in and they tell you exactly what to do, how to do it. Don't try to change this model. We've been doing it for twelve years, and they kind of tell you how it is, and then all of a sudden you get put into certain environments and you're supposed to be innovative, and you've never even practiced this concept. And most universities today have a center for entrepreneurship. Yeah. They teach them how to start a new business. But they don't teach the graduates what to do if you're working in a company and you have a great idea. Yeah. There's nothing to teach this entrepreneurship. And so when we collaborate with universities and the institute, we hope to draw that out and start finding the answers. Oh, I love that. And it's the notion, again, of of collaborative innovation. Yeah, yeah. If, If governments ask the question, gee, why don't we have more Fortune 500 companies here? Or, or how could we ex- help accelerate yeah. the growth? There needs to be a, a bona fide reference base to go out and help answer those questions, oh, yeah. which academia is focused to do. And, oh, by the way, if, if other than just internships, graduate students and even the, you know, the, the top of the class undergraduate students were employed as part mm-hmm. of that process, yeah. it helps with, again, the experiential understanding right. and exposure that they have so when they come out, they're more – uh, able to to actually contribute day one, but uh, I haven't seen too many government organizations or academic organizations no. that can actually run programs, which no, is right. where then right. business uh, and and frankly specific consulting yeah that can develop the methodologies that can be repeated can work with government and academia to help bring this together to say we have a common problem, let's go solve it together collaboratively. I well, I mean it's just the idea that. You could just go do an internship for a semester, and I guess you're now qualified to go in. The the idea of having you be employed in your field, what a powerful thing. Already innovating ideas and learning the system. I mean, it seems like it's time to rebuild the model, and that's what you're doing. We agree. Silver Park Group, uh, we're joined by Robert Smith. And Randy Favero, they are, they're figuring it out. We're going to take a break though and come back. And I'd really love to get into, um, if I'm just some average Joe in a company and my company's not all into this and they don't know the governor and they're not innovating and trying, what can I do personally? What does just an average guy, cause it seems like the principle is very powerful, even if the company doesn't quite get it, but being an entrepreneur, and, and, and innovating 
from the inside out, it seems like you could create quite the stir. You might make a lot of people mad, <laughs> but it also <laughs> seems like you might also at least learn what you need to learn to either go out and be an ex- an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, get out of the company and go be an entrepreneur, or um, maybe too, it seems like the entrepreneuring skills would put me in a position of leadership. We'll see. Mm. We're talking entrepreneuring. Think about it. Think about your business as you're driving and listening. Uh, are you, if you're an owner, a manager of a business, are you an organization that is very open to the ideas of your teammates? Do you feel like your people are highly engaged and uh, and and being a part of innovation and collaborative innovation? We're going to take a break, come back more with some guys from the Silver Park Group. Randy and Robert are joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, your coach, your guide on the side. Today on the program, we are talking entrepreneuring. We have some wonderful guests from Silver Park Group, which is a consulting firm with a goal, basic, a very simple goal, collaborative innovation, really the desire to help create more jobs in our world, really by learning or teaching and finding ways to get businesses, educational organizations, and our own uh, government agencies engaged in creating a more collaborative um, concept, a more collaborative teamwork or team effort in job creation. Now, we've got Robert Smith. Robert is a graduate from Brigham Young University here with a bachelor's in science, a major in financing and accounting. He's been for 30 years. He's been working as a successful manager um, helping businesses in retail, manufacturing, and technology, building uh, building them to really high levels. He's also been a COO for LED Lighting Applied LLC. He's the chairman of the advisory board for the Marriott School of Management Society, Philadelphia chapter. And our other guest is Randy Favero is joining us. 25 years of management experience, completed graduate school at the U of U. BYU and U of U just had a big game. You must be happy, Randy. Go Utes. Not so much, Bob. We're not so happy. Not so happy. That was a tough. Well, we'll let you be happy for a minute, Randy. Um, But Randy's also served as a vice president and area general manager with Novell. He also had how many years? 15, 20 years? 15, 16 years, you said? 19 years with the IBM company. 19 years with IBM. I mean, IBM was the big, they were the big giant, weren't they? Everyone wanted to be with IBM. Everybody. They did everything. IBM owned everyone. Uh, Were well, you a part of that? I was. That's pretty good. Cool. At, at its height, it had 406,000 people when that I was there. Is, oh, took, that is. Took cool. a little dip, but it is uh, back in the driver's seat yeah, today. Yeah, no, they're on top but of it. But as a very different business, not a hardware and software business as much as a services business today. Yeah, exactly. See, they're, they're a pretty good example of um, – of allowing, it seems like, innovation from the inside. They, it seems like they allowed a lot of stuff to percolate, which is where it created so many ideas, isn't it? Well, Watson Research Lab was arguably the uh, – that Watson Research and Bell yeah. Labs were the two meccas for uh, for research. And um, uh, the IBM company spent a lot of money uh, trying to focus on developing new patents. And in fact, for I don't know how many years it is now running, uh, developed more patents than any yeah. other company in the world. Um, 
And they they did a lot to stimulate within their own employee base new ideas. There were no less than five programs were uh, that were, were focused on generating new ideas, suggestions, uh, identifying software that a customer had written that could be then incorporated into the product, or so encouraging smart. employees that if they found a hole in the product line to spend their nights and weekends writing the software to then incorporate it, it back in. Uh, the the challenge was outside of those defined programs. Yeah. How do you actually get new ideas into a system mm-hmm. where it can get due consideration? Yeah, well, and be and be and have let the system be accepting of it. It almost seems like a lot of our systems are designed to spit out some of these concepts because it would it would just gum it up. So don't don't keep gumming it up. Just keep it pure. Do the ten things we do and keep doing it. Do not think another thought. Ah, that's you know, the old school. Well, and and it's uh, an accurate representation. Yeah. It's the more ideas Don't that come, come the more up. I have to deal with it, and mm-hmm. then it becomes a challenge. And and what they did was literally spin off a, um, a kind of an incubator within IBM that was funded separately, Smart. where you had individuals who went out looking for ideas, and those ideas could be collaborative with customers. They could be again new ideas that come directly from from uh, individuals. Yeah. They could be we ought to go out and buy a uh, company X, Y, or Z. And there was an opportunity to then float that up through this independent group who had money to go ahead and make investment decisions. Mm. And it was very motivating, very oh, yeah. stimulating for the employees. Well, and again, and then even if you kind of tr- follow it down the trail, IBM still took a big hit, kind of turned over like a turtle on its back, yeah. but eventually is now right at itself. See, it seems like what you guys are trying to do is – in a weird way, you're trying to change the world. You're trying to change the paradigm of business, government, and education and really do what we all kind of know needs to be done, more collaborative work together. So we're not – it seems like – yeah, so we're, we're all working on the same page. But so how have you set up as an organization to try to turn those three entities? I mean that's a big you – know, some people just want to work with government. Some people just want to do education. You're right. trying to get them to buy into a whole new paradigm. And that's that's right, Matt. And, and the way we've approached that is to create the Institute for Entrepreneurship. Okay. And that, uh, you know, is like putting a, a stone in place that says this is, this is going to be our means to collaborate with education, business, and government. That's cool. So it's an institute, but it's not just a building somewhere on some campus. No, it's a virtual uh, institute at this time, and that gives us the ability to work with universities all across the yeah. country, which we already have. And we won't get into names unless you want to, but there's, there's universities totally knocking at the door. They want this. And then I guess, interestingly, all of those universities probably serve government agencies that want it, you know, politicians that right. need it in their area, jobs. And then I guess the only thing you need also are the businesses that will participate and be collaborative. And, and there are two kinds of businesses. There are those who have skill sets yeah. that are collaborative to what we're trying to do, that we welcome and, and, and uh, embrace as part of this. But there are also those who need the services from yeah. the institute. Right. Uh, uh, private equity or venture capital firms who have a portfolio of businesses, not all of which are doing well, by right. the way. And they come to us and say, we're not certain why businesses X, Y, and Z aren't necessarily performing. If there's research that needs to be done, we reach out to the academic mm. organizations to help answer the questions yeah. that need to be asked. So the Institute isn't just a bunch of answers. What you are, it sounds like, is kind of a cooperative uh, collection of skilled people, resources, education, government, consulting, and you're helping innovate 
and collaborate on any issue, on any company. So it's a, H1's a one-off. Well, there, to, to some degree, it's one-off, but to the extent that we can create replicatable processes okay. and methodologies, they can right. then be adapted uh, to, to organizations. Um, but there's a, a very subtle difference here, and that is a lot of thought leaders that are now writing about and have been for quite some time about innovation. Yeah. Um, and their writings have influence on thinking. What the Institute is intended to do is to have impact and put the thinking to practice. Okay, so this is really where the rubber is going to meet the road. We're right. going to actually get results, which in your terms, you're saying is innovation jobs. You're going to be, you're going to see jobs. One of the outcomes from the Institute is taking all this thought and all of the kind of hype we might get from other politicians or companies or whatever and turn it into something real jobs collaborative innovation drives growth growth drives jobs it's about time where have you been (laughs) man i mean it's funny because we just sit here and you you know for years we've heard the government and all of our people talking about how important jobs are right and yet the innovation is what's going to create the jobs not just a mandate like you're saying go make jobs Okay. Well, and and again, having a structural, uh, an infrastructure and processes, et cetera, to enable the innovation. It's it's not just innovation. It's enabling the innovation to take hold and have an impact. Yeah, because I guess it's some, you know, none of us have it all. Some don't have the funding. Some don't, some, they need, they need knowledge. Some need knowledge. Some need the incentives. Some need a tax base. I mean, we're all in this together, right? So I guess the Institute is for intrapreneuring where so if somebody's out there listening they're like oh i want to be a part of that as a consultant or i want to identify it in my area get involved from my group how do they how do they get into that uh best way is to go to uh, silverparkgroup.com okay and contact us uh again we're looking for uh uh, academic partners. We're looking for uh, interested government uh, in, uh, agencies and individuals. Uh, we're certainly looking for uh, business folks who need yeah. help. It seems like every business school should be involved. Every it seems like every you know uh, every agency that's for economic development should be involved. Well, certainly every uh, university should yeah. because uh, virtually, as Bob said earlier, virtually every uh, university has a center for right. entrepreneurship or for Entre- yeah. entrepreneurship. Um, but probably 80% of the kids coming out of school aren't going to be entrepreneurs. No. They're going to be working for a large company. Right. And they've had this notion of entrepreneurship instilled in them. Mm-hmm. And now they've got to figure yeah, out how to make a large bit. company. That's right. They're chomping at the bit. Then right. they go to a large company that's telling, trying to get the bit out of their mouth. Right. Give me the bit. So what should the average Joe do? Some guy that's just sitting there driving – truck but he's about to go you know he's working for a big organization and he wants to he sees places we could be innovating where could the average person start being an entrepreneur great question uh does the explain to me uh, what you mean by that i see like i see 20 things in my organization let's say that could be fixed, that could save us money, okay. that are crazy that we're not doing. And if I had $10,000, I'd go start it myself this weekend. What should Which, I be doing? Should I just – I mean because it sounds like with the Institute, it's going to take you a while to get everyone on board, This, the governments, the agencies. Is there something I should be doing right now to just get out and start making either answers that I can pass up to my leaders 
and not get bit. I mean, because I'd be afraid, like, if I start bringing some good ideas out, I can't go around my boss or he'll crush me. I can't. I might not be able to go through my boss because my boss isn't involved in that or doesn't. He's about to retire and doesn't want to be bothered. How do you how do you do it? Well, listen, you've you have hit on one of the real problems of uh, entrepreneuring, and that is how answer the question of how it will be received within a oh, business. Yeah. But by definition, if somebody has an entrepreneurial spirit yeah. or an entrepreneurial yeah. spirit, just that creative, it means drive. they're willing to take a risk, uh-huh. right? So, so this, it's a risk either way. Right? It's a risk, sure it is. Well, uh, me sitting uh, there and being bored the rest of my life is also a risk. That's exactly. Or right. mad that we're not doing some of these things. That's a risk too. Well, again, if we go back to the to the corporate side, the the fact that you've got employees. Back to where we started yeah. this conversation. If you have employees that are unhappy, dissatisfied, have ideas, are are concerned about what their future is going to be. It is a risk to your business. Oh yeah, uh, it, it, it's a quantifiable risk. If if people choose to leave, when they leave, their ideas leave. Oh yeah, they never get surfaced within your business. Well, and, and all that mind share. What do they call that? Because uh, everyone takes with them this this mind share. Well, it's the intellectual history. property yeah. that walks out the door. You know, that's between their ears. And that's crazy expensive. And and, and setting that aside, just the simple fact that you have people trained to do something. You then incur the costs of recruiting, retraining, right. get them indoctrinated in the business. So it's it is absolutely essential for businesses to be focusing on their most important uh, resource and asset, which is their people yeah. and the creative ideas that they can come bring forth. But it's going to take us a while to change the mindset to have corporations get past the day-to-day operations and get past the notion that we can't declare ourselves innovative, it'll take a while to to push that down. But uh, back on the other side, an individual who has ideas, who is feeling some sense of frustration, again, they they need to be creative in the ways that they bring ideas forward. Maybe start testing it a little bit. That's right. See who's amenable, who's open to hearing the ideas. Because, again, uh, if there are, are examples of successes, the groundswell within an organization yeah. can have huge impact, not only on the employees in bringing yeah. forth new ideas, but on the, the management saying there are good ideas out there and we need to know how to cultivate them. Oh, yeah. So it really is a, a responsibility of creative employees who want to be a part of change, who want to be a part of an organization growing, to, to step up, frankly, yeah. and, and kind of – Work with uh, uh, peers yeah. to collaborate, or kind of figure out how to work through the system to get ideas on the table. I once heard a guy—I uh, don't remember where it was—but they said um, uh, success. Uh, what was it? D- uh, uh, dramatic success fosters independence of action. So, um, if so, basically, the guy was teaching entrepreneuring. 25 years ago saying, go, just go blow them out of the water. Go be so good at what you do that they can't argue with how you're doing it and they can't argue with it works. And um, so the, and the, basically the better results you're getting as an individual, the more freedom you have independently to either leave if you need to right. or to stay but to go to the bosses and say, are you kidding me? Are you looking at my numbers? My numbers are so much better – and um, so maybe part of the key to entrepreneuring is building your own um, – what's your own – just your own level of trustworthiness to the executives that this person knows what they're doing. They're getting results and, and dare to dare to kind of branch out a little bit. 
Well, success and credibility always has an impact it's on huge. your ability to do things. I've had I, – I left a company and, you know, not necessarily feeling like they were listening to me. And I've now, 20 years later, been able to go back to that company and they'll totally listen to me. And they literally told me, you never could have done what we're about to do if you had never left. Because well, we never would have seen you the same way. Right. You, you're, you're now bringing up a very important point, and that says that uh, it's the old notion of a prophet not, is not yeah. recognized in his own land. Right, totally. But outside eyes can provide a perspective that is often listened to more intently than oh, yeah. coming up from the, exactly. the ranks. And that's, that's a reality. But it should not preclude the individual from saying, I want to be a part of this and I'm going to... From to, trying to push it even on the inside of the company. I mean, maybe right. that's the other thing you can do is go build a support group on the outside that would hear these ideas. It's also interesting, if you're coming, like if you were coming to me from um, AT&T or some really big, large organization and you had these great ideas, I'd be fascinated to hear what an insider of AT&T would, is thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea because that's huge. Even if the inside of AT&T or whatever organization, we don't value you. Right. Or your ideas, outsiders will. That's well, huge. you know, there's one other benefit that can really uh, uh, come to the forefront here, and that is when there is a, an idea that is brought to the table and finds some success and receptivity within an organization, it opens up the means, the mechanisms, the vehicle yeah. by which other ideas can come to the yeah. table. There are companies that we are working with who have huge receptacles, if you will, of intellectual property that is lying fallow. Oh. That they don't know what to do with that, and there's the more and how to get it to yeah. market. So Jeez. it's things that they've already invested in the development of ideas that come from their people. That now they have a way to to assess its value and get it to market and actually monetize that. Oh, that's how we're going to make more money. That's how we're going to create more jobs. Is in all of this dormant value add, dormant knowledge. We're talking and uh, we're going to have to wrap it up here with Silver Park Group. Go to their website, silverparkgroup.com. Go look up uh, for their go look out for their Institute for Entrepreneurship. It's going to happen, folks. They're getting everyone together, universities, government agencies, uh, business organizations. If you want to be a part of this movement, silverparkgroup.com. So appreciate Robert Smith, Randy Favero. Thanks for joining us and uh, when it's booming, well, don't even wait till it's booming. We'll just have you back again, and I want to hear some new innovation. When you guys are, when you're busting it open, that's how we do it, folks. Entrepreneuring's one way. You can uh, you can change your own conditions where you are. You know, sometimes it's hard to push against the rest of the business, but um, it happens. It's probably going to strengthen your back as well. We're going to take a break. Come back and get more into some of these fun ideas about how to be more engaged in your own workplace. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We just heard a great uh, interview there with the guys from Silver Park Group. You know, entrepreneuring and trying to figure out a way to get uh, to make your job hopefully a little bit better and innovating it uh, so that you can, you know, be on the cutting edge, maybe create better results in your organization. However, we've also been doing some research and Colonel Sanders has found a, a recent article about four signs that you may be over your job. What does that mean? The, the, the four things when you're done, you've, you've had it. You're just like so when it's time to move on. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear these. No, because and by the way, guys, be thinking 
if you're over your job yet, just as we go through this. Just, you know, evaluate your own job. Yep, I'm over it. Oh, no, you might just just listen to the four things. Then you'll know. You, you probably won't know now because you haven't even heard the four things, right? I might have a problem. <laughs> you're already over it, aren't you? Okay, well, just hold that thought. Okay, see, number one, you feel that you've been taken advantage of that you are underappreciated, that your company is getting more out of you than you feel that you're getting out of them. Bryce? No, no, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm putting in as much as I'm getting out. <laughs> you, you don't feel taken advantage of? Not yet. Which I guess means we could push you a little harder and suck more out of you. I did not say that. Okay, just checking. So number one, uh, do you feel like you're being taken advantage of? Number two, Colonel Sanders. Getting fired doesn't sound all that bad. <laughs> How you doing there, Bryce? <laughs> no, that that would be bad, but I feel like that's the whole. Well, if if we were to break up, eh, it's whatever. So you don't see us as a permanent relationship with you. Well, no, by no, I have to I have to sometime move on with my life, but like at the point where losing this, losing something, whatever it is, this. wouldn't bother you. We could say this. We could say a relationship. How about a car? But like, you know, when you're like, man, if this car were to die, like when you're driving it thinking, man, I want this car to just die. I just want this yeah. engine to give out. That's by the way, that is called shopping alternatives. So the minute you're already thinking what car you'd buy when this one's broken for good, you're already shopping alternatives, which means probably subconsciously. You're already moving towards that end. Scary. Well, well, the irony, too, is once you're like, okay, as soon as this car's dead, getting another one, man, that thing goes another 35,000 miles. <laughs> Suddenly, the change of attitude makes it so that uh, it lives just just long enough to be inconvenient. Scary. Okay, number three. You purposely slack off. Hmm. Well, that just seems pretty much the job description of our show. <laughs> It's called it's called preparing to ad lib, not oh. slacking off. Right, uh, creative content development. Okay, ad lib preparation, ad lib prep. You're really going to try to sell it like that. I d- I mean, if you're watching like YouTube, I don't see how that's helping you prepare for our show. Ah, uh, unless it's a YouTube about something we're going to talk about on the show. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's just see, you're just wasting time. So that scares me. This one's a scary one for me because it just seems like our show does, our show maybe doesn't fit as a real job. Well, they, they say, too, in the article here, purposely slacking off as a passive-aggressive type thing, they actually use that term, is a really dumb thing to do because it doesn't get the point across to your boss. At a time when your boss might be sympathetic to your dissatisfaction of your job and want to help make it better – Instead, he or she's focused on trying to deal with a slacker in the workplace. This is confusing. Like, I think, oh, you know, maybe maybe none of us should be employed. Maybe we just need to just, maybe no one on earth needs a job or to be employed. We just need to all stay home for a while. Yeah, but uh, I think we go hungry. No, no, and and they still pay. So all the companies still pay, but we all just get we just go home and take a break and figure out what we want to do when we grow up. Yeah, but uh somebody still has to you know, harvest the food. Don. 
Don can do it. Let's just have Don do it because Don's, you know, Don's the boss. So they'll come talk to Don and we'll just play old shows till we figure out, you know, what we're doing. I don't know. You made me sad. Another show of employee engagement. <laughs> I mean, we've got an archive of shows, right? So we could we could play some stuff for a while while we figure out what to do. Yeah. It could always be the uh, happy Thanksgiving show. <laughs> Want number four? You feel stuck. That terrible feeling, that desire to move forward in your current situation, uh, and you can't figure out how to get forward. It's holding you back. Bryce, do you feel stuck? You look stuck. College makes me feel stuck. <laughs> so now you're almost done with college. You're almost done with college. That you you shouldn't be stuck come the end of your college career. Now you're going to be unstuck. You would, you would think that, but I'm finding the reality is not – that's not necessarily how See, it is. That's – surprise. Yeah. You're Ta-da. stuck. You're totally stuck. I, I think we everyone can get stuck. See, but then what's interesting, then you get stuck being stuck. Then you're too afraid to go, you know, make the deal, make the move, cut stuff off. So review them really fast one more time. What are the four points, Rob? You feel taken advantage of. Bing. Yeah, getting fired doesn't sound all that bad. <laughs> you purposely slack off and you're feeling stuck. That's really good. Now, weren't there some points of solution? So what are you supposed to do if if you feel this? You know, you can't just give up. So uh, there's five things uh, you can do about that. One is to communicate. And uh, the big thing about communicating is when you're trying to tell your bosses that you're not satisfied with your current position, it's easy to jump in and make it personal and emotional. Be like, oh, I just hate this. I just, every day I feel, to come to work, I just feel like, oh, sick. But that bosses, then they become your shrink. Right. And they don't, they don't want to deal with that. So get in, be honest, and look at it from a logical point of view. Say, okay, now logically, because I'm in this situation and this sort of thing's going on, I can't do the job as effectively as you're expecting, uh, even if it's a family matter. Somebody uh, once came to the person who wrote this article and said, um, come to think of it, could you please not send me any assignments after 6 p.m.? My wife has been complaining that I work too much. Hmm. You know, probably leaving the door open that maybe they could work those assignments earlier in the day or maybe come in earlier. See, that's – so that might be the key overall is with engagement, the key might be we've got to communicate, not just get angry, but be honest, communicate what we're feeling – and not just react, not just freak out and be mad. You know, those are those are really good keys. And I and sadly, it just sounds like a lot of us are maybe needing new jobs. Hmm. Oh well. No, actually, I think our crew's got the ball. Now, here's the deal. Just like you don't want to just get mad and give up your job and freak out and go away. You also may not want to do that with certain products that let you down. So we're going to be talking to our own Mark Waits going to be joining us. And uh, Mark is going to give us some insight. He's had a really big decision to make in his life. Should he stay with Apple or should he go with Samsung? And I think he broke all of the rules we just talked about. He didn't communicate with them, I don't think. He just kind of went off and changed. So we're going to be talking to him. Keep continuing this discussion about engagement. Folks, remember, our goal to give you some tools to engage better, more properly. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, joined by the incredible Mark Waite. 
Incredible or inedible? Inedible. I've no one has tried to eat you yet. Now, Mark. Incredible, Mark. Wait, because a you are more into technology than any human I know. Really? Well, not, you don't I, know no, enough maybe young it's not people. Technology, Get though. to know more no, yeah. young people. No, but you're more for an old guy. For an old guy, kind of you it, are yeah. the oldest, most techno-driven. <laughs> No, but, yes, but yours isn't even like technology per se, is it? It's more toys. It's more phones. It's earphones. It's okay. and green. There's two things in cars. life that I've never gotten tired of: fast cars and big stereos. Everything really? else is boring. Really? Yeah. And cell phones. Well, that fits under the big stereos. Okay, because that's where the stereos are going. Yeah, technology. Okay, let's get real about this. We've we've talked about jobs. We've talked about losing jobs. We've talked about engagement. But here's what happened. Um, I guess I don't know if we're going to try to name names here, but apparently some major company that provides <laughs> named after a fruit, named after a fruit, uh, changed. And I don't mean BlackBerry. You don't mean BlackBerry, <laughs> and you don't mean Samsung. I don't know what that means in Japanese. It's Sam, some guy named Sam. And, and Sung, I think, is a fruit. No, no, it's having Sang after the fact. Okay, past tense. Sang. Yeah. Uh, they've changed on you. You were you were to the point where you were about to tattoo an apple on your back. Apple fanboy, yes, um, but you know, ultimately, I'm the fanboy of whoever's producing the best stuff. And you are now saying... I used to be engaged uh, with Apple, but we broke the engagement. You're disengaged. Yes. You're unengaged. So what... How do you... By the way, did they call? Have they called <laughs> no. you and they're like, Mark, I, wait, what's up, brother? I was sitting around the house <laughs> and they never called and no. So look, here's the deal. Uh, two years ago, the iPhone 4S was the cutting edge. Steve Jobs, because the technology was on the cutting edge... That he was in a position to tell me what I wanted. Yeah. Because otherwise I didn't know. Right. He was the guru. You were just a, you were just a, a lemming. And still am. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, a lot has happened in the last two years. And Samsung is now resting on its laurels. Well, yeah. or, uh, no, sorry. No, so Apple. Apple is resting on its laurels. While other groups like Samsung and HTC yeah. are They're sneaking charging around. Yeah. far ahead. And now Apple, I was waiting, I was hoping that the 5S was going to be something fantastic, but it's just another 5 with a postage stamp screen. And okay, yeah, it's got the fingerprint reader. Cool. I'm yeah. sure in two years we'll all have a fingerprint reader. Right. But the fact is, I'm not carrying around missile launch codes on my phone. I don't <laughs> have it. national secrets on my phone. No. Oh, so wow. don't bother stealing it. <laughs> so here's the thing. I just decided. You're mad. I'm an old man who needs reading glasses. Well, this might be your last screen. phone. This could be your last. No, well, no, come. You're not that old. <laughs> I know you're arguing like you're that. Every old. two years, you've you got to have a new old. one. But uh, I need. I wanted a big five-inch, bright, beautiful screen that's full HD, nineteen twenty by ten eighty. This thing will knock you out. So I, I went ahead with the Samsung S four. Oh wow! Now I still love Apple. I still think their laptops are the best. I've got Apple TVs everywhere. I've got. But see, you've had to no. mess up your whole system because now you're a droid. It throws a wrench in things to have an Android, which doesn't talk to my Apple ecosystem in my yeah. home, which is deeply invested. But, you know, day to day, 
Um, all of the little bells and whistles don't matter as much as having a big, beautiful screen, having the ability to put a micro SD card in so that I can yeah. expand the memory and carry right. as much music as I want to. Yeah. Apple has, is the biggest ripoff in the world. For, well, because you've got to go through their iTunes, right? Well, I mean, for memory, for, right. for getting a oh, bigger yeah. phone. Okay, oh, yeah. 200 for 16 right. gig, 300 for 32 gig. Yeah. That's $100 that they're charging you for an extra three bucks worth of memory. Yeah, that extra sixteen gigs costing them three five bucks. <laughs> Huge ripoff. See you. Okay, I'm tired of being. Uh, yeah, I mean they keep you're you disengaged. Slave. I'm disengaged and it's disenfranchised. Sad. You're disenfranchised. Except, don't you think that then they'll come out? What's the little mini? They have the mini iPad. Is that what they call it? iPad mini. Yeah. I mean, that's really to me what a Samsung phone looks like. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that big. Okay. It's not that big. Here it is. Let me hold it close to the microphone so you can see it. It's, you you know that the, the microphone huge. you can't see through. What? Here, closer. But look at the color. The color of that is incredible. That's a big, beautiful screen. And it's and it, it, it it's an iPad that fits in your pocket. Yeah. Because I refuse true. to carry stuff. One of these, you're, you're one of these guys who carries an entire entourage, yeah. wheeled. You yeah. carry 50 Just, pounds of stuff wherever well, yeah, you go. Yeah, because my back's hurting. <laughs> I don't want to carry all <laughs> I've got to keep my hands free. I'm a well, hands-free yeah. well, kind of guy. Plus, you never know when you might be attacked. Well, I mean, you around example. here, around yeah. here, yeah, it's it's a tough neighborhood. And Don jumps your back. Provo's a tough neighborhood. <laughs> I I had no idea that you were this um, passionate. Well, I knew you were passionate about all this stuff, but you you're like on strike. See, we talked earlier in the show about when you don't like something and you disengage. Sometimes you just disengage and disappear, but sometimes. You just get passive aggressive and you just start taking people out and you start more sabotaging. More aggressive yours than is passive. Just, yeah, yours is case. more aggressive. Have no. you written a letter? <laughs> I'm going to write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> I'm outraged. Dear Apple. No, hey, look, in two years from now when I'm ready to upgrade again, if they're if they're giving me what I want, I'll go. Yeah. I, I hope they do. I hope they are giving me what I want in two years. But right now, they have the hubris. Tim Cook is not in a position to tell me what I want because they're too far behind the curve. And they have the hubris to think, yeah, we're number one and we're going to rest on our laurels. Well, what are you going to do? Go to Samsung? Well, yeah. I a am lot of Samsung. people are going to Samsung, right? Yeah. You went. Well, uh, you know, everything else, computers. I've, I've got like five different computers that are all Apple at home and at work. Have and, you uh, seen Rob's fun? Yeah. It's awesome. It makes me depressed. It has a crank. <laughs> it makes me <laughs> he sad. Has to crank it. 20 bucks. It's great. You got ripped off, right? Android 1.6. Have you, you just, you need to let him just play with your Samsung for a minute. I did. I did. Yeah, I was scared to touch it because I've owned cars that cost less than that phone. <laughs> a $460 Toyota. And I gave it away to my mom. And really? she liked it. What did you think of this phone? That's, that's expensive looking and shiny. 200 bucks. Really? Oh, but, on and, contract. On contract, but I'm saying, but out of contract. So that's really $20,000. <laughs> well, and you know. You, Does your wife have a Samsung? Yes. Actually, my two boys are both Android fools, and they got my wife into it. So actually, we are now unified as a family. So this wow. has brought us together mm. in a certain way. We're now closer. Are you closer? As a family. We can talk about yeah. things. Androids. Now you can share apps. <laughs> We are all Androids. <laughs> Do you um, now? You're going to have to start changing all your televisions out because you'll probably go no, Samsung everything. No, I don't think so. Are you sure? I think I'm going to stick with the Apple thing. Okay, you and say the, that. The apples are, are uh, non-denominate. I mean, the the, the TV is non-denominational. The stereo, it doesn't right. care what you're feeding it. Yeah. What do you think? Because you said the, the hubris. Then, can you equate this to another industry? Like, where have you seen this before? 
In the automotive industry, yeah, you, you know, see they, it. A, a company becomes number one, then they they get complacent. I mean, yeah. I get. I mean, if if you were if you studied business, if you got an MBA, yeah. I'm sure you'd yeah, have a list of these, right? Well, it seemed like growing up, Toyota did this. Uh-huh. Is that true? Because well, when I was a kid, they were, they dominated, didn't they? Toyota. Well, they're still huge. They know? are huge, but it just seemed like they kind of like thought, you know, we can do what we want. We own the world. And then the recalls. Then the recalls. Them. Remember? Yeah. Well, it's you know it's about being hungry. Um, a young upstart is hungry, and they're going to try harder. And it, it's human nature, mm-hmm. you know. To once you get comfortable and, and fat and lazy, you go, eh, well, I guess everything's fine. Yeah. We're still making money. Did you, you know? try the little plastic phones? The new the I, iPhone five C. Yeah. No, I haven't touched one yet. Although, I have to say. It's in bright green. You can get it in bright yeah. green. But see that you want that you're, you actually a want a vivid colored screen. You don't want the back to be just a vivid color. I want it all. You want it all. <laughs> you're so picky. The thing is, but Apple won't give me a full high def 1920 by 1080. Look, if you're going to watch a movie, I mean, I I would refuse to watch a movie on my three and a half inch 4s. Uh, it's too small. It's like yeah. watching a postage stamp. This is big enough. The yeah. five inch screen is like doesn't sound like three and a half to five. Doesn't sound like a big deal. No, it's like doubling. Yeah, literally doubling the size of the real estate. And I could hold it and watch. I watched a whole Netflix movie last night, and it was fine. It looked great. High def. Don't you think it's as bad? many pixels? You could have you know these people to put it in perspective. If you're not a tech dude, yeah, you can have a sixty five inch screen on your wall. This five inch. Phone has the exact number of pixels wow. as that giant 65-inch screen. If you put just it, over two million pixels in my pocket on a five-inch screen, I mean, we have reached a plateau yeah. that's gargantuan. I mean, this is huge. We how don't many, need more than well. This. How many pixels do you need in your pocket, Mark? Two million. Because it's just 1920 seems like, by 1080, full high. Now you're happy. Once you're there, you've reached a plateau. I don't. I don't. I don't need a 4K phone. You know what I'm saying? For you video dudes, I don't need a 4K phone. This is as good as it ever, ever needs You're to be. You're happy. You can't see. I, I could hold this up to you. If you had perfect vision, you would not see a pixel. Wow. Zero visibility of the so screen saying, door effect. So you how can a company like Apple be so dominant in so many ways and miss this? Well, because they say that, uh, I mean, they're capable of it. Yeah, you know, but why have they not picked up on it? I guess because they Because the they're determined that they know better than what I want. Yeah. They're still in the mode of we're going to tell people what they want. Now, the four-inch screen on the iPhone 5, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's great. You know, at least they're at the 16 by 9 ratio now, unlike the, the old 4S. But it's still, it's a four-inch screen, and there's a big difference. Also, they're uncomfortable to hold. It's like holding an, uh, an aluminum brick in your hand. They, they are. This is very smooth and rounded, yeah. and it's just more much more comfortable in the hand. Man. So what do you what what's your phone there? What do you Oh, you're on an iPhone. I have an iPhone 5. Yeah. And what what's your take on it? You you want to go for I just put iOS 7 on it. Hate it. Hate hold it. iOS 7. But hate it. You what do you hate about it? Like I love it because now I feel like I have a new phone. <laughs> and I didn't for even free. and I didn't have to pay for anything. I just had to no, update it. It's pretty. It looks good. Johnny Ive. You who, can move your finger and screens come up now. You just you can swipe and huge options come up. Yeah, no, that's good. It has a lot of good features. Yeah. And in fact, I even like the look. Here's the yeah. problem. What? If you're a young dude like Bryce who has perfect vision, yeah. it's, it's okay. But I have – I'm to the point where I really kind of need reading glasses because I'm mm-hmm. 53. Yeah. They have gone from perfect 
legibility to really, really horrible legibility in iOS 7. Yeah, it's smaller. Tons of microscopic print, very, very thin fonts, yeah. very, very tiny fonts on See. bright white screens. Everything's a bright white screen, yeah. and it's like looking into a uh, looking into the sun the he- yeah the headlights hate i, I legi- now this is not an uh, this is not my per- uh, personal uh, opinion this is a fact this is a fact intelligibility legibility has taken a nosedive in with iOS this 7 yeah but see much harder to read uh, no i actually i'm with you on that but you, and, you and somebody glasses, even told you, me you have bifocals i mean no but i no so you don't have any trouble reading the small fonts no i don't actually well, but I'm still young. You are. You're still a whippersnapper. <laughs> but somebody did say it's girly. I. But I don't. I don't. That's necessarily, purely I actually, subjective. The subjective elements of it, I'm. I'm okay with the colors, the bright colors, okay, the, the flat fonts. You know. Let me just. I'm just going to defend Apple because I've read their their promotional. And piece. because you own it. Let's face it. Here, okay. Doctor. Well, doctor. Explain to me this all, okay. bizarre yeah. thing I, that we I've all. Whatever I own. Has you, to be the best. And well, I, yeah. no matter, whatever I happen to own, car, yeah. phone, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will defend it to the death. Yeah. You have it's to. a huge thing. What's well, about your ego? Because then otherwise you wouldn't buy something stupid unless you're stupid. Because then that, then I'm stupid. No, no. Rob's phone is stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Well, but it's cheap. Okay. I'll give you that. You are frugal. You're cheap a good man. Stu- but so, um, but I'll give you. Interesting phenomenon. It really is. And that's, I think that's true with anything until you kind of grow beyond the immediate uh, chemical love of it. Once you're kind of just into what's practical now, because mm-hmm. maturity. Once, yeah, you've achieved maturity. You've yeah. achieved a zen-like yeah. state, which With I can fun. only dream of. Well, see, but I've actually thought of going to the Samsung for the same reason you you are. Big screen. But then I just read the promotional piece from Apple, and if you, this is all you need to do to get back in the fold. Which we you you have you're, you, you're a lost sheep. Are you giving sheep. me discussions? Uh-huh. I am. You you're the lost sheep, and I'm going to come after you and bring you back into the fold. <laughs> Because here's what it is. Did you not see the commercial? The, the Apple phone is, it fits your hand. And your thumb can really only move so far. Well, I've and got so long thumbs. when you get a Samsung, you would have to be an NBA basketball player <laughs> to be able to use the Samsung with the ability and agility that you can use with your iPhone. Um, I, I'm that's six foot least, four. My, what, my hands, I think, are average size. Uh, I really, I mean, there yeah, are no, so occasionally you're it's a little bit of a stretch. Okay, look. Yeah. Over there, no problem. Yeah, no problem. I can get to that. Okay. I can I can uh, I can hit that up there. Can it's you do it when you're driving stretch. 70 though? <laughs> that I haven't is the tried question. yet. <laughs> I'm going to try that tonight. Isn't that funny because that's what they're telling you is that's why we've done it because it's all in your palm and then your little thumb can reach everything. But that's just a sales pitch. Petite people, petite people with tiny I mean, if you fingers. have really tiny if you're a tiny hand person, like a little porcelain doll. <laughs> <laughs> tiny hand price is like, like Bryce. hand motions. <laughs> if you have tiny porcelain hand, it's like Bryce. Uh, you ought not have an iPhone or a Samsung. You ought to have one like Rob's. Yeah, but look, I mean, we're, we're in a, a different buttons. world now where people are accustomed to 10-inch iPads. And if you can manage an iPad, you can manage a phone. Yeah. And even much easier because almost everything I do is a one-handed thing. Mm-hmm. Well, especially going and occasionally, 70. if it if it takes two hands and you need to steer with your knees, yeah, yeah, you can knee steer. It's doable. It's doable. Mark, you have this. You, nobody knows this, but I, I think I tell it every time you come on. You have this. You have a muscle car. Yeah. So, to, does a muscle car and a Samsung phone do they go together? If if 
this Samsung were available in bright fluorescent lime green, I guarantee I would be holding it right now. Unfortunately, That's they don't right. make it. Uh, I mean, a can of spray paint, I guess, could fix that. <laughs> but then I'm afraid I'd get a little, you know, over yeah. overspray on the screen. You, um, nobody knows you're also listening with a pair of red headphones on. If they made these in bright green, I would own them in What's bright green. What's with the green? I don't know. I, 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 it goes from childhood. It was a childhood obsession. If was you, it? You paint anything bright fluorescent green and with black accents, and my eye immediately zips to it. From a young childhood, I was obsessed with that color. Really? I'm more obsessed with that color than anybody else I know who is obsessed with a specific color. Maybe it's a type of color blindness where that's all I can see. Maybe that's it. It's the only range (laughs) you have. It's the only one that comes through. Everything else is black and white. (laughs) Wow, Mark, you uh, you have enlightened us. I think that's a really interesting thing. I did what, not know a that you would you would leave the fold and go to. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a big deal, and you. I feel without like even a, knowing a, it. I'm you, apostate. Apple. You are. I'm. I'm apostate. You're an apostate. That's pretty funny, but we. You know what? We'll come after you. You're the don't one. Reach out to me. Actually, don't I don't think you're the go. one. The problem is there's a lot that are doing it. I was about to do it because I. I'm with you. I want a better screen. I, I hope I hope they get it together. I'd love to go back in two years. What about the Google glasses? You gonna go there? Googly eyes? Yeah, is what I would call it. No, I come just, on. I really what if it was lime it. green? You'd be on it. I could tell. You'll walk in with these lime uh, green maybe, glasses. Maybe. Maybe. No, I, I. I. It might be so ahead of its time that it might be the next big thing. I might get to the point where. I can't live without it. I seriously doubt it, though. I, that's too much yeah, of a difference. That's for, a bridge too far. We're, we're, we're human beings that have evolved for eons without that. Yeah. I mean, we've carried books around in our hands, but we haven't had see-through books in front of our right. eyes everywhere we go. It's 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 too much of a stretch. I um I will only do it if you can if they have X-ray vision. And. And you can see Turn off the computer occasionally, people. I mean, yeah. I mean, the How whole point of this is be? to ha- be constantly online. That's tragic yeah. in some way. No, totally. It, it's like, come on, interact with the analog world occasionally. Can you imagine people? just talking to your wife with your? You're already <laughs> watching the game out of the corner of your eye when you're at dinner with her. Now you've got. Now it's literally the corner of your eye. Okay, you want to know what's another cool thing about the Samsung? If what? you're watching a video. It's watching you while you're watching the video. Literally, this is, I'm not kidding. If I avert my gaze, it pauses the video. You're kidding. And then when I look back at the screen, it starts the video again. How's See, that for Jetsons? My, that- phone, my phone does that too, but not always when I'm looking away. <laughs> yeah, yours is more bandwidth problem, I think. Yeah, you just need more bandwidth. Hmm. Faster processor would be nice too. You know, um, anyway, back to job satisfaction. Yeah. I, Mine is good. Are you happy? <laughs> so the, is that all you wanted to know? Well, part of the thing they, they've asked me to do on BYU Radio is to interview everyone in the company to make sure that we feel good about our jobs. <laughs> hey, you know, I've had jobs where at the end of a one- or two-week vacation, you get that pit in your stomach like, oh, Don't make no. me go back. I am, and I've had those. Yeah. Well, you – yeah. I am so glad to finally have a job where it's like end of two weeks, yeah, tomorrow I go back to work, great. Let's go well, back to work. Well, let's be real. Why? Let's be real. Because it's a freaking great job. It's a great job, and you don't even have to be doing your job when you're doing it. Because you can go play a symphony next door for seven hours. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you do. No, there's no effort involved in my job, man. (laughs) Not like yours. I'm just kidding. You spend more time than I do. But um, no, it's just I was wondering how come we're on the air if you're not in there, and you're like, well, we're just playing a little symphony. Yeah. Like right now, are you are you supposed to be? I'm not on. I'm. I go in in just a few minutes. Yeah. Well, we better let you go. 
just so you can do your job. Anyway, uh, long story okay. short, um, to enjoy work, you got to be involved. You got to make the effort. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're putting in minimal efforts, guaranteed it's going to be a lousy time. And but you get if minimal you're, back. And if you're thinking, man, I'm going to put, I'm going to pour myself into this. Yeah. The rewards eventually come. Well, and you also have more people around you that like you. That helps. That's why people like you, Mark, because <laughs> you're a worker. Because I've got a great attitude. you got a great attitude, and you're just fun to watch drive in your muscle car <laughs> with your red headset on. <laughs> yeah, you got to take those off when you drive. Oh, I do. Okay. All right, whatever. Okay, Mark, wait. Uh, Mark, tell us when your um, your programs, the, uh, the music program. Uh, Classical or... Heavy metal. Heavy metal. <laughs> that is through the garage door. Through the garage door. Weeknights at uh, 9 o'clock. With Don Shaline. I think it's 9 o'clock mountain. You should know when you're 11 home. Eastern maybe? 11. Ask Late. for it by name. Through the garage doors, you and Don breaking down the rock music. We're, yeah, we are, we are heavy metal. You guys, okay. Does Don know that you've, you're no longer with the Apple He group? doesn't care. He's not into it. He says he doesn't, but you watch. Deep down. He'll ask. Everybody's going to start going to Samsung. Everyone's like, oh. I'm a trendsetter. Yeah. You're you're an early adopter. No, I try not to be. That's hey, it's true. A- Every, he was the first guy in the building to get an Apple iPhone 4S. Soon everybody yeah. had him. Well, it's, but you try not to be. You want to slow oh, down. Oh, it's not wise. Let, no, no. Let, let, the let technology other people, get ahead of you. Let, let, let the price come down. Let other people deal with the bug fixes. You want to jump in you know, when it's ripe. Yeah. See? That's why we go to you for all the answers. Mark Waite, you're the man. Thank you. And again, Thanks, man. we still love you even though you're going to the other side. We're going to take a break. Come right back. And uh, I guess, I don't know, figure out more about how to create engagement is our goal. That's the goal of the show. Now I'm going to go try to look up Samsung phones. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Just interviewed with Mark Waite, who apparently is leaving Apple for Samsung. Uh, he's on strike officially, and apparently strikes uh, don't necessarily – I guess Rob doesn't think a strike is a good way to handle something. Well, okay, so I'm thinking back on uh, – do you remember the UPS strike Oh yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. 90s? I was there. On strike? I, I lost toys. And other goodies. Okay, but you weren't wearing a brown suit no. trying to no, no, no. get uh, more. Wait, who cares about the brown suit? Isn't it the brown shorts that everyone makes a big deal about? <laughs> the trucks with no doors. That's why they need to strike. Get some pants. <laughs> well, that was I remember that was the joke at the time. I said, well, what are they striking for? They want doors on the trucks. You know? No, they want pants. <laughs> okay, so you don't like striking. Oh, okay, I'm just thinking back on what Bryce was saying that and maybe I misunderstood his message, but you're better off to be passive aggressive than to actually uh, – Strike. No, no, no. no you do, yeah, you missed the message. It's, it's, there's probably better ways to handle our problems than being passive aggressive. Well, Even though we'll get really creative about how we're passive aggressive. Okay, so regardless, so here's what I, here's my thought. They're on strike. Two million packages not delivered, but it was a big crisis and companies 
got around it. They said, okay, well, we'll bring in temporary workers to deliver the packages or, or, or we'll let customers know that for a short period of time, I think it was over two weeks, that your package may be delayed or other people would go over to a different carrier, the post office, FedEx. It, it, it costs the strike's effectiveness. Right. So what if instead you go on strike by saying one in five packages that we'll deliver will put on the wrong doorstep? Okay. Now you're messed up. Because it would work, though, wouldn't it? Well, it would, but then you're—that's just you're—you're you're now getting really good at something you shouldn't be getting good at. <laughs> you're spending your time. Well, I'd say you do it permanently. You just do it till your demands are met. Oh man, see, that's just too subtle blackmailish. I mean, it, and what they're trying to do with the strike is a is a not so subtle blackmail. That's just more overt blackmail. That's what American automakers did for years. Right. That's but, why the cars were junk. Well, and so it didn't work. <laughs> and so the idea of this is really the better way would be to just talk more effectively, communicate more, be open more as a leader to listening to ideas and not necessarily push things that the company can't tolerate or handle without killing a company. Okay. So here's a second idea. Okay. Do you remember the Writers Guild of America when they went on strike yeah. in 2007? Yep. And it lasted uh, 14 weeks, I think. And all the joke, nothing was funny anymore. No TV was funny. I thought Leno actually got better, but that was my own opinion. And he was writing his own jokes. But what if instead of walking off the job, the writers all agreed that they would kill off one major character off of a hit TV show every week until wow. their demands were met? Once again, you're getting really good at something we probably ought not be getting good at. I think we missed the point of the show. Rob. No, I, I, well, I still think it's a good idea. Well, I mean, it's a good idea, but you're also one of our writers, so you'd be fired right now if we had a writing strike. Okay, well, that's the show. Here's the idea. We want to be engaged. We want to be more effective, right? We don't want to just strike or knock people off. I mean, that's, I mean, that's one way to do it. That's the passive-aggressive or the aggressive-aggressive way. That's not what we're looking for. Our goal, remember, is to be engaged. Are you an engaged employee? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you coming up with ideas in the company? Are you trying to find a network in order to share those ideas? Hey, and if you're a manager, are you listening to your people? Are you listening to their voice? And are you uh, allowing them to have a voice in the organization? Because if not, they're going to be disengaged. That's the point. Challenge you all. Get out there. Figure it out. Start getting engaged in your jobs. Start coming up with new ideas to change things and make it better. At least it'll be better for you. We're going to take, uh, we're actually going to end the show right there. Folks, thanks for joining us. Again, we'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio.